Welcome to the She Wore Black podcast. I'm Agatha Andrews. Today, I've invited author Carolyn Topjan to talk about her fun and spooky gothic novel, The Hitman's Daughter. We squee over the parts that sizzle and talk about the joy of indulging in the fun that can be found in the melodrama of gothic tropes. I've included The Hitman's Daughter in my online bookshop at bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. I also want to add that you can help out the show by following She Wore Black on Twitter and Instagram and leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Now, on to the show. Well, hi, Carolyn. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited and look at your adorable hair. I'm in love with it. So that's just a total different side note that has nothing to do with your story, but needed commentary. (laughs) Appreciate it. So your novel, The Hitman's Daughter, and this has a little bit of everything. And I love it. This has like all the best pieces of my favorite genre genres coming together in one great story. Can you tell our listeners what it's about? Um, It is about, uh, well, as the title sort of hints, um, my hero is named Maeve Michael, and she's the daughter of a hitman. However, she is ashamed of that and wants to hide that and is sort of running from her her past. So um, as she's running from her past and her father, who's incarcerated, an incarcerated hitman, she is has for the past uh, couple of months been working at a rundown grand hotel that's reputed to be haunted, and she's the shop girl there. And the story begins, it's uh, New Year's Eve, there's a big party that's going to be thrown to try to bring the hotel back to its glory days, and a blizzard is hitting, and um, Maeve has been asked to sit for a portrait for the resident artist who she finds murdered, and that's when everything goes topsy-turvy in her world, because of course she is... um, then the main suspect and her past is revealed and she has to all of a sudden rely on her father's uh, survival lessons in order to save herself and prove her innocence. And of course, it's, a, it's sort of a locked room mystery. So there is a killer on the loose and uh, all the secrets of the hotel and all that stuff and the elite guests. So, Oh, the elite guests. It wouldn't be the same without those, right? <laughs> well, and the library journal has you know, labeled it a fast paced haunting novel of survival. And that is so on point. The pacing of the book was fantastic because I know that everybody's supposed to have like peaks and valleys, but what I loved is that I felt like compelled to go to the next page. There was never a moment in the story where I was not completely invested. It was so much fun. Like I needed a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I had fun writing it. So I'm glad that that, that translated to you as a reader. Yeah. (laughs) I want to thank Paulette Kennedy for recommending this book to me too, because everything about it is on point for my brand and for all the things I love, the ghosts, the hotel that's a shell of its former glory, as you mentioned, those elite guests and the gothic family drama and the sexy bits. Like, loved all of it, all of it. (laughs) And thank you, Paulette, for recommending it. She knows me so well. Thank you. Yes. And Paul, yes, I love, I mean, I love Paulette's stuff too. So I'm excited for her next one. So I did mention some sexy bits. I'm going to go ahead and say, I know I want to talk about the thriller elements, but a lot of my listeners 
I straddle both worlds of romance and gothic and horror. Um, so, and I know a lot of my listeners also love it. And I think every single author I've had on so far, I, I struggle to think of one who isn't, who, who isn't on the same page also loves romance. Um, yeah. now I want to be clear for anybody who's listening, who will ask me because they always DM me and ask me, you know, is there an HEA or is this a romance <laughs> too, or whatever? Um, they will want to know that it doesn't hit every romance beat. We mm -hmm. don't even meet the sexy dude until like 60 or 70, you know, so the yeah. meet cute doesn't happen right away and a couple of other things, but it's definitely there. It's a um, Yeah. It's sprinkled in there, but def it's definitely not, you know, in the romance category but it, right. there's a subplot in there that's definitely going to give you a bit of uh, of that sexual tension. I not going to lie, I was interested like I said, but my interest level times 10, like magnified <laughs> times 10. Once I was like, "Oh, a shirtless hot man unexpectedly <laughs> found." Okay. <laughs> And then like he proceeds to like, look at her mouth a certain way or, you know, put his little thumb between the rubber band and her wrist that she snaps. And like, he's just trying to, he's a cinnamon roll wrapped in a super hot bod. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me addressing that. Not Do you want to talk about this? Like at I, all? I don't mind people gushing over Holden, who's the name of the character at all. Feel free to gush away about Holden. Um, well, tell us about it because the thing of it is, is that, you know, looking at the cover, it's a woman in a dress with a bloody arm and a gun. You don't expect mm -hmm. to see like it, it in a way there's um, now the lost city has come out, but that was comedy. This is not comedy, but it's the same idea of like action with romantic elements. So mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Like you, you have clearly, I mean, I'm, can I also, I mean, the ghosts, like there's a lot of wonderful things coming together to make this super fun story. <laughs> so let's talk about the different elements. Let's start, let's start with Holden because I want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, say about him. I mean, he is um, a mysterious character. He's a complex character. He was a lot of fun to write. Um, and many times he wanted to steal the scene. So, I mean, I did have to hold back because... Uh um, he is in my mind, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, your own characters as an author, they're so developed in your mind. So, I mean, he, he has a very rich story and I'm very, very happy to say that there is a book two coming out. <gasps> that was a question. Okay. <laughs> Thank and you. You will see a lot more and have a lot of um, questions about Holden answered in book two. Very nice. So, I mean, that allure of mystery definitely stays with him through book one. Um, I think that the reader will still have quite a few questions yes. about the character by the time they finish uh, book one in The Hitman's Daughter. So um, all of that is, is addressed. All of those juicy questions about oh, who okay. this man is and what is his background and uh, all of that you know, anti-hero niche, is that a word? I just made it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gets, gets, you know, really, really addressed in book two. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you for saying that you had a sequel because the shocking conclusion that's listed as a, the book list blurb um, was correct. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> 
I confess, I love ambiguous endings, like just a little bit, like not so much that you're just tearing out your hair, but right, just right. a little hint to leave, like as a, when I'm a reader, I like to have those questions at the end that are kind of teasing me and leaving yes. me more. So, I mean, I wrote it as to how I like to read. So it is a satisfying, complete story, but I am definitely waiting for book two. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Readers, do not hold back on this. Like, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going back, let's talk about another element that I love. I absolutely love haunted houses, haunted places are my very favorite trope. Um, as and so what, but I also love when a place is as haunted by its history as by a particular ghost. Um, so and history can even mean something that in a way is still happening, like there's like a story in the house. And so, um, and I'm kind of a hermit by nature. So maybe that's where the whole haunted house thing for me comes in. But what I love about it and what I pick up on it, I mean, yes, we can always think of like the shining and the Stanley Hotel, right? But I also think a lot about local history because we, you know, here in Austin, we have the Driscoll and not far from us. We also have the Magnolia and a couple of other places that are sort of famous more for the ghosts than they are for the institution at the, at the time. And so were you, I mean, you're probably pulling from a lot of different places, but what were your inspirations for the setting? Like, oh, was it local? I was it fictional? Like, what was it? I think uh, a little bit of everything. It is definitely the the Chateau du Ciel, which is the fictional uh, grand hotel that's now run down and reputed to be haunted in the book, is definitely uh, an amalgamation of two hotels in particular Ooh. Um, that I have visited in real life and one that I worked at. Um, and, and then just a little bit of everything that I kind of, you know, you throw yeah. in there because that's just stuff you, you take creative yeah. life course yeah. but um it did the the initial inspiration and I'm usually an author that starts setting first mm -hmm. so my settings are definitely a, a character for me um and so the Chateau du Ciel is a character in in my head as, as a writer and so that was my first character and uh many many moons ago I used to be a shop girl in a grand hotel that still exists um here in Canada where I'm from uh-huh and uh uh it is haunted. It is rumored to be haunted. Nice. And it does have uh, a sealed up train station. So uh, back, you know, around the turn of the century, uh, around the turn of the 20th century, when uh, roadways weren't everywhere, uh, they used to have, it was called the Grand Trunk Railway and it existed. So it is a little piece of history. Wow. Um, and it went from sort of Southern Ontario to uh, parts of the U.S. as well. And it was, went to the, um, the uh, prestigious hotels and it was a way to you know of course get get people into these fancy hotels um and so when I was working at this hotel uh I was given an orientation tour I remember and then the person who was giving me the tour said oh by the way here's this board they used to have a train station here and I think my head must have just like exploded when she told me this and that <laughs> little bit of history like I was so like obsessively interested in yes. whole history and it just stayed with me it stayed with me for years and years and years um, and then a couple of years ago I was visiting I was overseas in Greece and I was I visited this hotel in a former um, vacation 
town that had since lost its vacationers. So the hotel had become very run down and I was like in love with all of these elements. So chapter one starts with Maeve in this old uh, elevator with Muzak. Things like that are all from this hotel that I visited that had this like insane Muzak tune that would go on every time you went into the elevator. And oh. I just wanted to ride the elevator to hear this tune. And yeah. it was just, yeah. So little things like that were peppered in there definitely from real life. Oh, there's nothing more delicious than like something that's still chugging along in its former glory, you yeah. know, <laughs> like where you see the grandeur that once existed and it wants to still be there, but oh, you know? <laughs> and, I just love hotels for that. They're yeah. just like packed with energy of history and like good and bad. Like it's all just so in there and the walls. And I just love that about hotels. Well, and the thing of it is, is that they all have story like I mean you can walk into any hotel and it will have stories you yeah. know there's nothing it, it's a perfect setting I mean mm -hmm. and you can even look at like Simone St. James with the sundown hotel mm -hmm. I mean that's not even like one that had former glory it was never glorious yeah. <laughs> you know? but it's still a perfect setting for ghosts because there's people come in and out and things happen. And like with the Driscoll here in Austin, it is still very glorious. Like it was from, it's from the 1800s was built to be this big glorious place and then became sort of a pissing contest between that and the thing across the street, the building across the street. And they each kept trying to build higher and more glorious. And I'm like, Oh my God, men in their buildings. Right. <laughs> And so, um, but it's still like one of the most beautiful hotels, like this side of the Mississippi. Um, so it's just really interesting. Oh, but anyway, the reason why I was bringing that up is because, and I've talked about this where I also did a lot of Texas history kind of searching around and I'm looking at different ghost stories that have come out of there and some there's absolutely no historical merit to it, but then there are others that have like identifiable people. And then what's weirder, and I don't know if you've ever come across this, there's stories that could have produced ghost stories of like terrible, tragic things that have happened at the Driscoll that are never part of a ghost story, but you know, they, they have these other things that are, and I'm like, I guess one is more romantic than the other. And that's just sort of what people bite onto and then take off with. You know, yeah, you gravitated to a few and then, yeah. And, but it's almost, it's almost more interesting. Those ones that are sort of lying unsettled, just right? waiting, like there are these ripe stories waiting to be picked. And yes. Yeah. Oh, so delicious. So delicious. Mm -hmm. So the, let's go back to the pacing of this, because one of the things that I loved about it, and this, what I'm going to say is not a criticism of the other novel I was reading at the time. They have completely different purposes, but it's nice to have balance sometimes with what you're reading. So I just finished The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Well, that's on my to be read list. And yeah. it's, it's pretty heavy, you know, yeah. especially as a mother. Yeah. I am so changed as a person for having read it. It's something I think most people should read or everyone should read, but particularly as a mother, like when I finished, <laughs> when I finished the book, my 11 year old son's like, what is this? Cause I was like hugging him going, Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> at the end of that book. book yeah right but I had this to balance it to give me like even though there's heavy gothic drama happening yeah. in this book yeah. you still have the other elements that make it fun and fast-paced and like 
it has a different purpose and I loved it. I needed it. You know, it was for me too, as a writer, it was pure escapism, indulgence in just stuff that I love. Like you said, like I love, I love Gothic melodrama. I'm like, bring me the melodrama. (laughs) Have them all fainting and and, all that stuff. Um, So I, I love that. And so I just played around and had fun with it. And, but like you said, there's still some underlying issues that are really heavy and it is, you know, it is pulling on those as well, but it's to me, it was, it's first and foremost meant to be a, a thrilling escape. So. And what I think is fun about this book is the fun is infectious. Like I am ready for book two, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. I really want to encourage people, like, especially we're, you know, towards the end of April here when we're recording this and like, as we're heading into summer, like take this book with you. If you go on vacation, like take, and I, and I don't mean that at all. Like, oh, this is like a light frothy read. Like I said, there's this wonderful Gothic drama elements, but my gosh, what a good time this book was. So, (laughs) so kind of also talking about how we like packed everything in here. I want, I want to make sure readers understand that I, you know, this has got great structure and that good novels can have like multiple facets to it. One of my friends talks about like the, uh, out of all the Outlander books, our favorite one is the third. And she said, that's because she just kind of wasn't sure, you know, with maybe she'd have the opportunity to write another one. She just put everything in there, whether it was pirates or, you know, like all this stuff, she just kind of packed it all in that third book. And I just kind of feel like, and it, and it wound up being our favorite. right in that series so I just feel like that's what's happening in here so I feel like there's definitely something for everyone like I think you know this definitely has a female gaze but I think you know there's a lot of male audience readers that would really dig their feet into it too because there's like you know, hitman stuff. I can't imagine what your search history looks like <laughs> looking up all of this hitman stuff. Yeah. All, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, tell us about pretty it. Pretty dark. My, my <laughs> Google searches are really dark. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any sort of, except for maybe, you know, going into, you know, stuff to do with like maybe, um, Oh, what's the word? Like sexual assault and stuff like that. Like right. that territory I have not explored, but everything else, like in terms of violence, in terms of like dismembered body parts, you know, decomposition, yes. uh, just all those facets of violent crimes. Um, yeah, I've had to to dig into to at least try and get some self-defense was a big one here. Yes, self-defense. Uh yeah. So mixed martial arts and things like that. And just sprinkle. So now you know things that you didn't know before. And now you're armed (laughs) with that knowledge. No one better mess with you. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had some of Maeve's skills. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, if anybody's listening that does movie rights, we need the movie for this. (laughs) Is there something I don't know? You gave me a look. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. Um, yeah, I, I definitely am a, a visual writer. So I totally see all my books like, you know. Like a movie. Like a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Do you want to cast your, this is something fun to do sometimes. Who were you thinking about if you casted your characters? You know, I I actually have, um, Holden is actually based on a singer whose name 
completely escapes me now, but on my Pinterest board, I've cast both Maeve and Holden. They're, they're there and they're not big name. Um, they're definitely not big name actors. One is a social influencer. <laughs> she's somewhere, she's American. She's a social influencer and, uh, posts all this stuff online and she looks just like how I picture Maeve in my head. So if you were to visit my um, Pinterest page, you would see them both there. They're both there. Well, now I have to visit because <laughs> I am still one of those like Pinterest junkies too. Like I have for every, yeah, for storyboarding, it's great. You know, yeah. whenever um, you're thinking of location and, and stuff, I do, I center a lot of my stuff in Texas and it's, you know, there's people think we're sort of tumbleweeds and desert out here when there's we're a massive landscape and there's such huge variety and I'm like y'all have no idea about all the cool gothic stuff that's out here and so um I have all these Pinterest boards with that kind of that kind of look like you know this I just remembered his name yeah so yeah Alan Raymond is the is the artist is is the musician so what is it Alan Raymond. So oh, okay. if you were to, you know, Google Alan Raymond, you would see someone, a look, a Holden lookalike. Can I, I'm, it's very difficult to do this interview without doing any kind of spoiler, yeah. you know, because there, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I want to have talking points, but I also don't want to spoil anything because so this is, secrets. I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Yeah. One thing we can probably talk about is the, is the red diary. Hmm a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So, um, I love that because in a sense, that's sort of a Gothic trope because yeah. you're even throwing in a little bit of epistolary storytelling yeah. that way. Yeah. So tell us about that. Oh, uh, well, you know, it was, um, funny enough, I had written those, uh, originally in order. So I was sort of toggling in my head between those, uh, letters, which are from, uh, 1991 which go back to some of the history of the hotel and of course yeah I don't like that because I graduated in 1991 and I'm like oh look at this history <laughs> it's a historical read now right I did oh, not dear. like that part yeah. <laughs> well at least like, I, like like you I could access it very easily I don't have to research into the 90s I lived through it so yeah I um I wrote those and it was it was just nice to sort of have that voice and that those characters sort of grew that way through through the letters back and forth between the two young women and yeah and then they ended up shifting around for to make the structure of the story work even better. Yeah, when I saw the year I was like, oh my gosh, like Carolyn could have been me or not Carolyn, um the mother. Why am I Caroline, doing that? Caroline Carol Caroline Caroline the pregnant the one Yes. Who Yes, yes. Yeah, I was like, that could have been like, that was my age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I'd have like a 30 year old child by now if that were me. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The years is sort of like, ooh, he's 30. We just had our, our well, I didn't go, but uh, we did our class reunion last year. Um, I think only, I mean, we had a huge class, but I think only a hundred people pandemic, pandemic reunions are never a good idea. Right. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. but it hit all of us that we were, <laughs> we were 30 years out now and we're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's for sure. yep. But you know, what's funny is that I, my works, I have a couple of works in progress that are quote unquote historical that are also in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I think the nineties are actually having a moment though. Like Riley Sager just did that. And like a couple of other people have been writing like 90. Yeah. It's, it's, it's having its Renaissance for sure. Yeah. 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 So guys, if you love the nineties, you'll also enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit of the nineties in there. 
So what do you want to tell us about what's in your next book? It's like you said, it's hard to say too much without giving away spoilers because so much of what, how the book one ends is sort of picked up in book two. So the entire premise and plot of book two is exactly what you think it is. (laughs) If you've read book one, you can probably predict (sighs) what it is about. And as I said, it's about, I mean, just an overview. It is about this mysterious character, um, Holden Frost is his name. So is he the center of that story? Well, it's or is it Maeve, still Maeve? It's his mystery. It's still told in the same sort of point of okay. view with Maeve. So it's, she's still our main hero and protagonist, but she wants to know who Holden is. <laughs> okay, I probably shouldn't have asked because now I'm going to have to wait a very long time to find <laughs> this out. <laughs> but uh, going, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, in like beloved tropes and everything what books would you recommend? I'm not necessarily talking about comp titles because I think that's kind of a thing that people do, but what are some books that you love that you would recommend for other people while we wait for book two, for example, because <laughs> they're going to all go and pick this up after this interview and they're <laughs> going to read through that very quickly like I did. Um, but for what are things that, what are some books that you love that you want to recommend that are in the same vein? You know, it's, what is in the same vein? Well, you know, I have so many influences, as you can probably tell, as you mentioned, I read cross genre, right? Yes. So a lot of this is me sort of taking elements of books that I've read that I've loved and tropes that I love and mashing them all together in here. Um, and my early love became, started with Dracula, right? Like oh, Grand nice. Like Dracula and like Phantom of the Opera. So those were sort of the classics that, that I think of, um, that I drew on. So, I mean, that, that's sort of the, the history, the historical reads and, and the classic reads. Um, I think that what I've, what if I read gothics? Well, definitely Parting the Veil, although that's a historical. And then I, I think of Simone St. James, um, the Some Down Motel, because it's got the, the whole, uh, you know, ghost story in a hotel. But I'm not sure if I have any that have the same mashup. Um, well, parting the veil is great because that sense of place is as significant hmm. as this is. So that that perfectly make that makes a lot of sense. Parting the veil by uh, Paulette Kennedy, who we mentioned earlier, actually. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, Simone yeah. St. James. I've literally that. read everything she's written. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right, and she's she's a little more literary. Like it's, I think it's not you know the the sound, the voice, and the pacing won't necessarily be the same. But if you like ghost stories, and mm-hmm. and definitely that little bit of, um, I think having strong female roles and that, that, like you said, the female gaze, then I think of uh, Simone St. James. Yeah. So one thing I noticed is that there are current, like contemporary elements, like uh, 2021, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it, you, how did you decide how you wanted to approach a pandemic year with your fiction? Well, you know, this is a choice. Yeah, part of the decision was made sort of easily for me in that I wrote this before the pandemic. It was all Mm -hmm. drafted pre-pandemic. So, of course, it was published post-pandemic. But because I had already written it without us having, like as an author, having lived through that, it was all there. And, and I think, as I mentioned, because it's supposed to be an escape, an escapism, it's supposed to be fun. It's like at its very surface level, it's supposed to be a fun escape, like read. So 
really, there's enough heavy stuff in there <laughs> without having right. to deal with our reality of the pandemic. So it was, it was a rather easy decision not to edit it and revise it to work that in. I think that that's important. And the, mm -hmm. the reason why I asked that is because I think we are really struggling. I mean, it's not like we can't find a way through that, right? It's not like yeah. people, authors aren't clever enough to find their way through pandemic contemporaries, you know, without trying to incorporate it. But the thing of it is, is as readers, do we really want to, you know, and also like coming from the romance world, I know that there, there's a lot of discussion about it and really grappling with, should we talk about dating during pandemic or do we want to because yeah. we're all tired we're all yeah. so exhausted yeah. um and we want to pretend that it's over but it's not over no no we're just yeah. sort of adapting and living with it and so yeah. i i it'll be interesting to see in publishing when it sort of makes its way into right. the storylines and i know that some stories at least i've heard are beginning to address it but many of them still are not which um, is okay. And certainly in the mystery genre, the horror genre, I don't think that it is worked in yet. Um, I can think of maybe one book that has it. Um, was it Rachel, Rachel Housel's most recent one that was about the mm -hmm. pandemic? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, my books so far are not dealing with the pandemic. That's okay. Just... So, I mean, it, so it's not that it was a choice. It's just that it, you, you weren't living through it yet. So I wasn't living through it. And then it would yeah. have involved going back and rewriting it in. And I didn't really think it, it served the. Thank the you for not doing that. <laughs> it didn't really fit. It didn't fit the, the story. So. I was not taken out of, in fact, I think I was more engaged because you just said, whatever, you know, <laughs> Not, I mean, you didn't actually wind up doing that. You just didn't include it. And I, I was like, oh, thank you. Well, just, we have to suspend disbelief anyway yes. in the novel because it's dealing with supernatural elements. So to suspend the disbelief that the pandemic isn't affecting the, you know, the residents and the, the guests is not that big of a deal, I think. That works for me. I, I'll go with that. <laughs> that's my, that's definitely where I want to go with that. Well, this has been an absolutely delightful conversation and I hope that, you know, everybody goes and gets the Hitman's daughter and I'll put links and talk about it in show notes as far as where they can get the book. Um, and I am just eagerly waiting and we'll watch every tweet you make just in case <laughs> there's information about book two. <laughs> so much. It's been great. I've had a great time here chatting with you this afternoon. Oh, thank you. And you will be back for book two. Absolutely. Okay. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today on She Wore Black. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter if you follow the links on our website at sheworeblackpodcast.com. We have some great episodes coming your way, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You can also support the podcast by shopping at our online bookstore at bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. Every purchase you make through our storefront, be it the books on my lists or any books you find in a search from our front page, will support the cost that goes into show production as well as supporting independent bookstores nationwide. Thanks again for joining us today and happy reading. Mm -hmm.